1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we have another Verisage Institute colleague and co-founder of the Institute, Daniel Morris. Hey, Ed, how's it going?
2: It's going great. Can't wait to talk to Dan again. He, he's well, This is number three, I believe, so he's two away from the gold jacket.
1: Right, although I couldn't find the second episode he was on because I think he did just a segment or two or something. But anyway, he's definitely been on. Uh, this will be the, at least the second time. But uh, I'm not going to read his bio other than he did start his career at Ernst & Young in 1984, same year I did. Today, he's managing director of Morris and D'Angelo. He's a, fa- a co-founder of Verisage Institute. But get this, his mission to be the ultimate dragon slayer. How cool is that? That's as good as your knowledge, bad, bad ass, you know, yes, badass. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel Morris, welcome to the soul, or welcome back to the soul of enterprise.
0: Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ed.
1: So, Dan, e- you have been experimenting in your firm, Morrison D'Angelo, with the subscription business model, and I only know this because I got to attend the board meeting at Pine Ridge Winery. <laughs> How's it been going?
0: You know, I think that, I think like all experiments, we learn things and we, we navigate around what I refer to as the undulations, right? How do you, how do you phrase it, right? How do you, how do you educate the consumer, right? I mean, I mean, somebody the other day told me, God, I'm getting subscription to death, right? And they want to compare it to these concierge doctor services that they read about and, uh, options are always, uh, A challenge to some degree right because people always want the high end but they don't necessarily always want to pay the high end and the value conversation takes on a different role as you start to get people to think about access right and um, the crypto space is quite open to it Um, they're young they're nimble they're looking for resolutions and they work at these crazy wacky hours and all over the world so it's um it's quite beneficial
1: that's awesome you know what other challenges and opportunities cuz they usually are the same thing you know same coin different sides are you seeing out there for the profession and 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 seeking you mentioned one crypto obviously
0: well i think you know look i think all professions um, going back to the stuff that that we 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 talked with with Daniel Sussman, right? You know, I think that I think that the professions are finding it more difficult to attract and retain talent. Um, I think that that's been going on since the 1990s. I think that COVID and managing and leading a workforce that's used to having been a top-down methodology has created stresses and, and strains. And, and clearly the evolving the exponential evolving into the really the web 3.0 and web 4.0 kind of mentality speed, right? It's just a challenge. That gets coupled with the historical stuff that we as accountants do, right? Financial statements and tax returns and people who, you know, they show up later every year and they show up more complicated and, and it's just becoming um, worse, right? It's not as much fun and then people opt out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, that's bright. Uh, is, is that partly our fault, though, that we don't do a good enough job managing their expectations, get their stuff in early, things like that?
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's our fault, right? I mean, it's, ask, ask our customers. They'll tell you it's our fault, right? I mean, you've got two issues. You've got, you've got, you've got people who get your, your stuff in, and then it sits there, and it sits in a gross mold, right? Because the project management skill sets are focusing on the fire of the moment or the new opportunity, and then, and then it's like, well, I've got, I've got six weeks to get it done. And then it becomes human, human capital habits, right? These, these, these negative human capital habits. And I think that it, take our firm, for example, uh, we had a partner who is um, suffering from deep cancer, right? And that took out a large, um, a large part of our leadership. When you're, you know, we're not a hundred person firm, right? And that created some undulations for us. That that created challenges. So I think that I'm sure that a lot of it's our fault and managing our customers' expectations is is significant. I also think that it hasn't helped in the last two years since the government has played with due dates. And now I think people just expect that the due dates will be extended. And then you add in the complexities of proposed tax changes, right? People are now nervous. So it, it creates a lot of daily tension that, that the ability to do work, right, is, is not as easy as it used to be to sit down and do work. The interruptions are, are significant.
1: You know, you mentioned Daniel Suskin in his book, The Future of the Professions, and we did talk to him. And one of the themes in that book is artificial intelligence. Have you seen yet AI's impact on your operations?
0: I haven't seen AI's impact on our direct operations, although I will advise that I've been active with a group out of Canada that's deep into AI, and I'm seeing it as it relates to um, certainly in investment opportunities, right? These, Whether they're ETFs or or AI-assisted high-speed algorithmic trading, I'm seeing a number of methodologies as it relates to exposing weaknesses in timing that computers can do that human beings just could never do so i am seeing that i I know that there's work out there as it relates to ai as it relates to automating transactions and bookkeeping and that's recipe driven i think that stuff's making its way through Uh, i don't think it's as perfect as it could be but it is it is moving i mean i i go back to the 1990s and an english uh, an, an english uh, science correspondent named james burke mentioned that he felt that by 2050 right that robotics he didn't use the word ai but he meant robotics would machine learning and machine capabilities would be just driving a tremendous amount of stuff that people used to do and that was going to in his view that was going to free up our our brain capacity but he wasn't too far off in all in all reality. i don't Reality. I don't know if it'll be 2050, but clearly COVID, right? The impl- implications of dispersed workforce or a decentralized accounting organization, like a DAO, like we would say in crypto, yeah. is moving us in that direction, right? And people rely on machines now. So it's there. I'm, our practice hasn't been challenged by it as much, but I think if you're in the routine, you'll start to see that. And then that's gonna be another whole change.
1: You know, I met you in 1996, so we've both known each other for over 25 years. And and when I met you, I was practicing. And one of the things that's always blown me away about you is you, I think, have a very unique perspective on specialization. And I'm not talking about the generalist versus the specialist debate. I mean, we both know that's dead. But since I've known you, Dan, you've... You've specialized in many different things. I think DISC and FISC might have been when I when I met you, and then you got into uh, you're in crypto, you global business strategies, global tax structures, um, all of you know, uh, wealth planning, asset protection. I mean, you have specialized in at least a dozen things since I've known you, and there's probably more. What is your operating philosophy with regard to specialization?
0: I don't know if I'm smart enough to have an operating philosophy with specialization. I think, I think I'm just curious, right? I think I I probably have undiagnosed, you know, ADD or something. Right. And after I've, I've always believed that in a professional kind of has a three year attention span, a year to dig in and learn the core basics. Right. And then a year to, to, to improve upon those and, and essentially master them and then a year to figure out how to get somebody else to do the job for you before you get bored. Right. I mean, that's a key. And I, and I've said that, I think you've seen me say that on stage. I think that about S corporations or corporate tax or individual tax, but I think about it on everything else. So in my world, I try to pay attention to what's new and exciting and it's helpful. I'm in the Silicon Valley as as a general rule. And I I try to listen and go, well, that's interesting. What can I learn about that? And then I I dig in and and I go there. That's how I started this, right? I mean, I started it because I didn't candidly want to do the same thing for 40 years because that would be menticide to me. So that would be brain death, and I don't want to do that. So my operating philosophy is to be continuously engaged and learn how to um, learn new things and fail a lot sometimes hit a home run. Right. right. So I try to beat, I try to beat a high baseball average. I mean, look, if the Mets could barely get 275 percentage points, you know, I, God forbid, you know, I'd at least get 300.
1: Be careful. Um, <laughs> you know, that. and I love it because you're not looking at the data. You're not looking at demographic data. You, you may be listening to your customers and observing things, but it, you, you seem just to be intellectually curious and, driven to certain topics. And I, I do love that philosophy of the second year you master it, but also you're monetizing it as well. And then the third year, you're kind of looking for your successor. It's a, it's a great philosophy. Dan, we've only got two minutes. I know you do a lot of work in crypto. I've got further questions for you on crypto with regard to regulation, but I'm going to ask you a bizarre question. Let's stress test Bitcoin for just a minute. Thought experiment. Let's say It becomes worthless. What's the impact on the global economy?
0: I don't think it impacts the global economy at all. I think wealth goes away just like if the stock market went to zero. But Bitcoin's real value to me in any crypto is its ability to transact business and not as a holder of value. Uh, Bitcoin yesterday, yesterday or two days ago on Binance or somebody they had like a computer glitch, and all of a sudden it went from like sixty thousand bucks to eight. Now it's self-corrected; no other exchange, but it went from sixty to eight thousand dollars. Who who panicked and sold, and who opportunely bought? I don't think I don't think that the world economy changes a diddly on it.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well, we're up against our first break, and folks, we'd like to remind you: if you want to check us out, you can do so at thesoulofenterprise.com contact me or ed by sending us an email to ask tsoe at varisage.com and we're proud to welcome our new sponsor file which is expense reporting that is incredibly liberating you can check them out more at filehq.com and now we want to hear from our sponsors
2: ron let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor file f-y-l-e we saw a demo of this thing and
1: it's really awesome it really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah. And of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. And- yeah. And they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system. So you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports.
2: Yep. So check them out at FileHQ.com. That's f y le fyleh
3: Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too.
4: Follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoleofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise
2: on the soul of enterprise today with the ultimate dragon slayer dan morris and dan what the hell does that mean what is ultimate dragon slayer
0: it it essentially says uh, i can be anything i want to be i solve people's problems right i mean i mean one of my slogans is i sell sleep right so you know people show up people show up to professionals and they have a pain right i mean this this almost goes back to the concept that you can only buy you know, good feelings or solutions to problems, right? And we're not the good feeling people, so we're gonna solve people's problems. Well, think about, you know, if those are those dragons. So the metaphor is, is that the dragon is the dragons interfering with whatever it is that you want to achieve for happiness, right? Your self-fulfillment, your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization. So people come to me or they come to my firm and they say, I have this pain or I have this ouch or I have this want or I have this need. It may have nothing to do with income taxes or debits and credits or accounting and flow sheets and cash flow statements. What it has is helped me cross the chasm from where I am to where I want to be. And um, I actually captured that phrase when I was uh, on an airplane and, and two people were complaining about the hourly rates of their lawyer. And one guy says, you know, I just need a dragon slayer. And I went, oh, God, what a great title. So I stole it. I didn't create it on my own.
2: Yeah. So the question I have for you then is it's not it's not um, it's not a Don Quixote thing. Well, Ron, we've lost Dan. So uh, no, no, he's back back now. Now. Oh, you're back. You're back. All right.
0: You know,
2: we have you you had a dragon, a dragon got interrupted you. Uh, But on on this, Dan, it's not a Don Quixote situation. It's not about being anti-reality. Do you take on people who just, you know, Dan, I just need a tax return. I mean, that's just all I need.
0: Rarely. You have to have a tax return with something interesting or you have to be connected to somebody that I care so much about that I'm going to take on your tax return even though I shouldn't take on your tax return because it's not about you. It's about them. Right, so you know, look, it's not our strength, right? If, if, if you, there are lots of people who do a great job of just dealing with compliance, and um, the first hour is exciting, the second hour is boring. So we're already done, right? I don't want to do that. So
2: no. And the, and the folks in your firm don't want to do that either, I assume.
0: Generally speaking, they do not, right? I mean, you know, the the problem is, is they're accountants, right? I mean, and as much as we've been timeless and value priced 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 since the late 1990s, they'll still sit back there and go, oh my God, I can charge, I don't care, $2,500 for that 1040 that they could probably get for $500 at H&R Block. And they'll go, "Ah, you know, that's, what is that, $400 an hour? And it's like, stop thinking that way. Do you want the work? No, I have one of my partners, Stephen Geller, is very good at saying, that's not work we want. That's not work that's valuable that we want. It's very helpful there, right? And, and that's one of the other things because anybody who's involved in sales, we, we get that endorphins, you know, we get that, ooh, I'm important. So I, I want to close the sale and you shouldn't, right? Not all sales are good sales. So out of that thinking, it's helpful when you have a team approach and, you know, uh, our team members are better at pricing than some of our partners and um, we leverage that, right? I'm always about the relationship. So if you're connected to me, you're going to come in the door, but you, you better be connected somehow.
2: And on, on that, the, you have gotten, I think, really good at drawing the box. And by, by, by that, I mean the, the, the Tim Williams strategy box to say you're more defined by... Who, who you say no to, and one of the things that you've done for years, and I know I know you're in the middle of updating this right now, is you you've used an intake form that you've asked your customers or even prospects to fill out before they come on board. Talk a little bit how that process and that has has affected your firm.
0: Well, it's done a couple of things. One is it it simplified my time management or my lack of time management skills, so I could get people to give me answers on paper. I could read and two minutes and not take an hour to have a social hour with them, right? I still like the social hour, but we talk about other things. You know, at the end of the day, it focuses on a couple of things. You, you still have to answer that marketing question. And, and I know you've heard me say this before you have to answer why me, why now, why in this manner, right? Why, why is somebody who isn't my customer yesterday and wants to be my customer today? So you, and and they aren't necessarily going to be transparent about that, and they also may not really understand why. So you've got to get your core core documents. And some of this, some of these questions came from Harvey McKay's "Swim with Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive," where he had the McKay sixty-six, and it dovetailed into stuff that uh, Paul Dunn and Rick Payne did at Results, and, and it was gelled down and said. I need to know who you are and where you're from and what your wants are and how you're going to measure your expectations. And then I had a litmus test and it was very quiet. And it essentially said, what charities do you support? Because I was sitting in the Silicon Valley surrounded by wealthy people who did not contribute back to their community at a level that I subject, subjectively thought was reasonable. And so if people said, Here's who I give to and I support, that was good. I've had people who said, ooh, I need to do better, that was okay. But if people basically said, no, I'm not really all that interested in it, well, that was just a litmus test that we weren't going to get along, right? I didn't care who you were, but I've always felt that we need to lean in and help others, um, whatever that is, right? And it can be arts groups and it can be religious groups and it can be social services groups. It can be your university. I don't really care. But I want people to dig deep and contribute back. So that was just my own little, my own little leading indicator of somebody that I'd like to uh, spend time with.
2: I just love it that you've you've put up barriers to even getting getting to you. I mean, there's so so few professional firms that I encounter are willing to to put up some hurdles. It doesn't have to be big ones, but even little hurdles. To say, hey, listen, if before I talk to you, you've got to you've got to fill this this little form out. It doesn't have to be seventeen pages, but hey, these seven questions before we, we even have the conversation. Uh, so I think that's extraordinarily courageous. But I wanted to pick up on something that you were talking about with Ron. With re- I assume that after the intake form is done, the next thing is this the, the value conversation. And I, I referred to you in social media as the savant. Of the value conversation, I think you just you just have a, a natural affinity to to do it. But you mentioned that the value conversation has taken on a different meaning or a different form in the world of subscription pricing. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Well, it it focuses on that you have to. Uh, I don't know if you have to. The way I do it is is once once we're once we've dealt with a deeper dive of where their pain is and what they're looking for. I'm trying to get them, I'm trying to get them to think about a multi-year solution. And I'll use the phrases sprints, right? For things that are quick. And and I use the words, I learned the phrase sprint from some te- top technology companies that were working in web development, right? And I can change the pricing methodology of the subscription, kind of a, a sprint-based, and then it slides into a maintenance-based subscription. And it's about access. And so you start getting people to understand that they need to have the ability to contact anybody in your firm at any time for any need. That's an old value pricing concept. But we don't know what that'll be. So we're going to allow you to subscribe to our intellectual capital. And you have to tell a little bit of a story. And you have to say that, look, we're going to reserve capacity uh, for you. And I've had people who, for example, um, had a plumbing contractor and he, he needed a sprint and he was paying me, he was paying me well. And then after about eight months, he figured out we were done with the sprint. And I was thinking, well, maybe we could go to $1,500 a month, right? Because all it was, was, was phone calls, right? He would call me on whenever he wanted to call me. And he actually came up with two grand a month. And we did that for a year. Who's arguing with that? I mean, I, mean, I mean, if you go across and you ask the person who's billing, I don't care, you know, $400 an hour, what do they have to do to have that every month? And it was about everything from look at my new dog, okay, to how do I resolve this challenge? Or, you know, I refinanced my house and I'm sitting on a bunch of cash. What do you want me to do, right? So all of those, all of those are important things but none of them had to do with filing my tax return. They were all about help me navigate my life.
2: I've heard you say that it you you don't necessarily want your customers to be, you to be the only person that your customers call, but you want them to be the, the one they first call. Talk about that.
0: Yes, yeah, so that, and that comes from a, an aspect that says, look, um, if you're Coopers, you could darn near be an everything for everybody kind of firm because you've got specialists all over the place, right? You know, we have 20 people and I can't be everything for everybody. But what I can be is I can be, long before Google, I can be in a um, the hub of a very big network. So call me first. If you need a roof, I've had people do that. If you need a roof, call me. I'll find you a con- contractor. I've helped people buy cars. I've helped people find Super Bowl tickets. I've helped people figure out what to buy their spouse who needs wine for their anniversary and has nothing to do with my skill sets. But I built a network. And by building a network, I can lean on my network. Harvey McKay, I mentioned that book, Swim with Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. Harvey McKay said that three o'clock in the morning was the wrong time to figure out you needed to have an expert that was not already in your Rolodex. And I took that to heart. So. That's how I did it. Right. Call me first. I'll help you find your solution.
2: Great. Well, Dan, we're against our next break. I want to remind folks that they can contact Ron or me by sending an email to ask TSOE at Verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. And don't forget our Patreon channel right now, patreon.com slash TSOE. Out there, we do have our bonus episodes available only to those members of our Patreon as well as our un uh, commercial free, I should say, episodes of the Soul of Enterprise. But right now, for those of you who are not at Patreon, a word from our sponsors.
4: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa.
2: Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com.
3: Commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it!
2: let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome.
1: It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports.
2: Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com.
4: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dan Morris, the ultimate dragon slayer, and he is a genius at the value conversation. Um, that is so true. I've watched him in action. I've heard him in action, and I've uh, role-played with him in, in various uh, forms, and he is, he's got, you got an unbelievable knack for getting um, the right questions that come to the top of the mind, and, and I just have always admired that about you. Um, Dan, you work in cryptocurrency a lot, and... <laughs> you know, we've been following it on the show for years and it seems like there's a regulatory battle over it. The SEC thinks it's a security. The IRS wants it to be a commodity. You probably saw Gary uh, Gensler, the uh, new SEC chairman. He said, these tokens weren't means of exchange, but highly speculative stores of value. And yet Bitcoin and ether don't fit that definition. Um, I kind of think it's some Think of it simplistically. If I can put it in a Coke machine and get a Coke, then it's currency. I can do that with a Bitcoin, metaphorically, but I can't do that with a stock certificate. So I guess my question is, what are these things?
0: (laughs) If I knew that that answer in succinct language, um, boy, I could write a book.
3: Um,
1: Or teach a course.
0: Or teach a course. Well, yeah. I do that. But you know, I think I think I think I think I think they're an amalgam of 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 a new methodology to transact and exchange value as it relates to commerce. Right? I mean so you know, so 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 take a take it this easy. You know, money was money's sole purpose in my view is to um Resolve credits, resolve liabilities. Right? I have to. Get, I owe you something, so therefore I need to give you something that you will accept and, and say that I no longer owe you anything. So whether it's a Bitcoin or whether it's a dollar or whether it's a turkey, you know, it, it doesn't matter to me. The question becomes: How do I make sure I don't have counterfeit? How do I make sure that I have uniqueness? How do I control and know it's mine? The neat thing about the Bitcoin or the crypto world is that I can, I can have a ledger and I can track it. Uh, So it has, it has aspects of currency. It has aspects of stored value. Although I do think that's speculative. I do, I do agree with that perspective. Um, It, it doesn't have a machinist world or a physical world language for it. So I think over time, we're going to come up with new words for it.
1: Right. Our vocabulary is lacking. I don't know if I answered that. No, no, you did. Um, It's so true. Anytime there's a new technology, right? uh, We, 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 we struggle with the language. Um, I think when the television came out, it was called picture radio, you know, because we just always relate it to the last, the last technology. Um, how do you how do you navigate that minefield with your clients? Because you work internationally, and I gotta believe there's different crypto regulations in various countries. How do you navigate that?
0: Well, besides very carefully, a couple of things. Uh, a, if I'm representing somebody who wants to build their own platform, and I have and I have done that, you know, the the key thing. And I just had this conversation earlier today with uh, with an interesting approach that'll, that'll create a token. You know, I want it outside the United States because I don't want the SEC to have the ability to have a conversation with me. In other words, I think the, I think the best offense is to have a defense that says you don't get to talk to me. Right. So in order to do that, I've got to navigate tax rules as it relates to controlled foreign corporations because then that's a backdoor in, you need to find countries that are favorable. You do have to understand the different between a utility token which is really just an access to a platform versus something that's more of a currency token so these stable coin kind of things that are that are really solely designed as a to store value right they're backed by what we'd call fiat currency right so they like a money market account they don't go up and down in value as it relates to as it relates to uh, value so you know i think that I think that the way you do that is then you want to make sure that you're in jurisdictions that have great law, right? So, candidly, um, if you if you were a child of the current queen, right, as a country, uh, so the Commonwealth plus the United States, you know, common law, English common law, you want good law, and then you need to have decent tax rules that are known and knowledgeable. You need to have a network of non-US and US. Professionals that you can trust, and you can start to build your platform in a way that's decentralized amongst the world. And you've got to be careful for your geo blocking, right? You've got to make sure that you're not allowing people who shouldn't be in your network, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And you work with lawyers and you work with other advisors. And the crypto world shares a great deal of knowledge amongst themselves. They are they are very transparent. You get in these telegram chats. I mean, you're going, oh my God, that's my IP. It's no, just got to live in a world you don't have IP anymore there. So you, you, you walk it carefully. You try to protect yourself. You try to set it up so that you're not creating a, a secondary problem by solving the first problem. But look, the SEC wants to call it a security because that's what they do. If they ever say it's not a security, the SEC doesn't get to play. The IRS wants to call it property because they certainly don't want to call it currency since the values go up <clears throat> a lot. Commodities people want to call it a commodity so that they can they can play in the game and and that's part of the whole challenge, right? And, and of course, Treasury under under the FinCEN world, right, and OFAC they want to make sure that you have to follow all the monetary rules because it, it becomes very complicated at an exponential
1: rate. And the states get involved with it as well. Do you think we'll ever sort out this regulatory infighting?
0: Not, we won't. We won't be able to until the world decides that that crypto is probably more akin in the long run to currency. Right? They're going to treat it like money, and that's going to probably take a generation or so. And the other thing is, is you know, if we look at if we look at anything else that was technology driven you know in the 1920s there were 2000 auto manufacturers in the united states that got boiled down to originally four then three and now you know candidly two right and one of those doesn't even really make cars anymore unless it's a mustang so so you know i mean it's 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 shocking well you know web web companies were the same way crypto is going to be the same thing right these these thousands and thousands of of utility ish tokens running in the ethereum network are going to become consolidated over time. That would be the natural evolution of things. I do think that the DeFi space or the decentralized finance space is quite intriguing. And this entire NFT, the ability to take created art and sell it on the, on the, the tokenization of it and confirming I own it, it's very interesting. And then all the non-monetary aspects of the blockchain, I've always been impressed with as well.
1: You know, since I've known you, you've you've been willing to because you're in Silicon Valley, you deal with a lot of startups. Obviously, you've been willing to take options or other forms of creative payment besides cash. You still do that?
0: Well, who's listening? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Within the confines of the laws of the regular, absolutely right. I mean, we're and we, we and we and we report it right. I mean, you know, look, you know, if I can monetize it, so. Uh, yeah we've taken we've taken shares and we've benefited from that we've accepted certainly in the crypto space we're very frequently into some form of a hybrid monetization some some cash or fiat currency some uh tokens in fact i just met with the president or founder of um of a new token in a space that i think is going to be very interesting and candidly they don't have any money so I said, look, you know, if you paid me cash, I'd probably want something like this. But if you gave me all tokens, multiply that by a factor of X, and uh, I'll ride with you, right? Because I think they have something. I don't know if they'll make it or not, but I do think that they have something, and that you're 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 investing in people, right? They have new ideas, and right. it's fun. So yes,
1: you take a portfolio approach, and it's one of the. One of the ways I learned that is, you know, by having a few of those in your portfolio, um, you know, one strikes, uh, it it pays off big. That's where you get those windfall profits.
0: Yes, it does.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. China has a digital currency. My favorite new acronym is CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Dan, should the United States of America have a digital currency run by the central bank?
0: Should they probably now? The question becomes: Is it does it replace the current fiat currency model, or is it a supplement to? I would be probably happy for a while if it was a supplement to. I like that if I carry greenbacks in my pocket, and I exchange them for some, you know, fruit someplace that the vendor and I don't have to go through the central bank's computer system so that they know that I bought two oranges and apples, right? I mean, um, look, I mean, people talk about, oh, cryptocurrency is going to, that's going to be where all the people who are tax evaders. I'm sorry, there's a ledger for every transaction, people, (laughs) and I guarantee you, you don't get that with the greenbacks that are in my wallet, right? I mean, how much fun would it be to go to Las Vegas and say, oh, I think I'm going to go, I'm gonna go slide onto the crap table. Oh, here's my fractional Bitcoin, right? Or my you know, here's my here's my Federal Reserve digital currency. Let me let me beam it to you over. I mean, first of all, <laughs> there go all my money, right? If I have if I have to run to the ATM every once in a while to get the money back, then I you know I can keep feeding it, right? So, and then how much fun is that, right? The, 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 the tangible aspect of, um, of having a crisp $100 bill in your wallet is a lot of fun. and Having a token is not as much fun. So, should they? Yes. Should they ever get rid of greenbacks? No.
1: Interesting. Okay. Uh, Janet Yellen, President Biden, and the OECD. Want a global corporate minimum tax of at least fifteen percent, if not higher. We would Biden and Yellen want it higher. Should they get it? No. Why not?
0: Uh, first of all, how do I how do I go to the UK and tell the UK that they need to have a higher tax rate? Or or Ireland or Malta or Japan or you know, I don't care, the Bahamas, right? So first of all, take the Bahamas for example. Bahamas is like 700 islands. Administration of an income tax is very difficult, but yet they can use a consumption-based tax, a tariff, or whatever it is, you know, import duty. And every ship that comes in that brings things in, they can charge. And and while people sit back and go, "Oh my God, they have no income taxes," they have other taxes. You know, what about what about the value of competition? Should every state in the United States be forced to have the same state income tax rate? Well. People in Texas might might exercise that right to to leave the union again that they that they so probably think about, right? So no, they shouldn't all be taxifornia, Right? They should they should have competition. And why if 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 Ireland wants to subsidize or provide a lower tax cost for Google, why shouldn't they be able to do that? Why shouldn't Google be able to provide more shareholder profit? and allow the shareholders to decide where to spend the money rather than Janet Yellen and President Biden and all the OECD. Go to the OECD, I've sat in the OECD building. Oh my God, Marx was to the right of these people.
1: okay that's the line of the show right there greg i hope you i hope you tweet the heck out of that that's beautiful um yeah i couldn't agree more dan in fact we're, we're watching colorado might become a zero income tax state which i find fascinating um given the current governor there but uh, unfortunately dan we're up against our break i'm gonna let ed take you home i just want to say thank you so much for reappearing on the soul of enterprise we'll definitely have you back if you're willing and folks if you want to get a hold of me or ed send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com we will post our full show notes with our interview with dan at the soul of and now we want to hear from ed's employer and our sponsor sage
4: us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
2: Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Ron, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo
1: of this thing, and it's really awesome. It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports.
2: Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's fyleh com.
3: Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the diamond-water paradox. Go to Patreon.com/tsoe and subscribe today, please. For the love of God, make it stop!
4: Wow, so
2: many places to go, Dan. That you've uh, you've teed me up for here. So I, I I'm not not quite sure where to go. The first one I, I want to just want to pick up on something you said. You said uh, w- with regard to cryptocurrency and and setting tokens up. You said, well, I want to make sure that I'm outside the United States. What does that even mean? What well, does that even it, mean? It,
0: <laughs> it, if you're if you're gonna mean if you're gonna set up a if you're gonna set up a a, a platform, right? If you want to run a, a coin, right? Uh. huh you don't want to be in the United States because if you're in the United States, you'd better be selling a secure. I mean, the, the SEC is very strict about that. So if you say, hey, look, I've got a new idea for a coin, let's say um, maybe instead of um, one of your sponsors, you say, oh, go buy some tokens. We'll have we'll have a TSOE token and and we can trade the value of the token based on the guest and only people, it's you know, it costs you 10 tokens or something to, to listen to the show. Right. Well, if you want to set that up, you could have that and you can trade that. You do not want to set that up in the United States because if you want to say set tokens, that. So this is what United I mean. States.
2: Set 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 that up in the United States. So is, it, is it The servers in the United States, the people well, like but, you. But Ed, we've got to get you out of the United States before we set this up. This is what I'm struggling well, with.
0: The, the business, the business, the business needs to be outside the United States. The the economic business decision making, the, um, the risk associated with the capital. Right, you need to be making your 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 platform. So servers are servers are going to be on some form of a CDN anyway, right? But you know, in a perfect world, I'd probably keep them outside of U.S. based servers. But you're gonna, you, you know, when you're going to go to mainnet, you, you 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 need to launch. So where is the headquarters of X form? Okay, so right?
2: where is that? Where is the corporation set up? Is what you were talking about there? That's really the only thing we're talking about. Okay, it's so a management that, that,
0: leadership. All of that.
2: Okay. So, all right. I, th- I think I understand. Because I, I just recall, this is about five years ago now, that some senator wanted to pass a law that said that it on your customs declaration form, you were supposed to declare your amount of Bitcoin that you're bringing into the United States. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well,
0: that senator, the senator didn't understand that, you know, when they said wallet, you know, that senator probably figured something that was on my hip. Right now, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you want you want your business, you want your business economics and
2: enterprises. Okay, and now now I, now I understand what yeah. you meant by that. I was, I was just just confused because of yeah. that. Uh, all right, uh, back to something with regard to subscription, and because I know you're doing this, you you, you mentioned that you've been putting subscription in place. And one of the things that, that Ron and I have talked about, and I know we, we've had conversations with the with the Verisage fellows on this, is that you understand that subscription is not taking your annual price and dividing it by 12. Right, that is, that, that is, that is not what the subscription is. That what Ron and I talk about is plussing it. You've got to plus your offering. Dan, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out how you would plus your offering with all of the stuff that you've done in the past. What are you doing to plus what you have to offer? It's you've already plused everything, I thought.
0: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, so sometimes so sometimes it might be <clears throat> you don't get Dan, right? Oh, you want you want to have you want to have access? So so sometimes it might be who your key contacts are and your key access, right? Um you get Pat, right? Or Steven or Dolma or somebody else, right? And well, oh, but I wanna I wanna talk to Dan. Well, if you want to talk to Dan, you've gotta be on this level, right? Because Dan's busy on radio shows and not working, right? So um, I think that I think that's a key key aspect. And and the other thing is you say Look, this isn't you know. We're going to cover these items, right? So you want you want the base subscription? You can have one, but we're gonna we're gonna limit your bandwidth, and we're gonna limit the capacity, and we're gonna limit the things that it takes. And it's on us to not allow you to um, detour into uh, higher end subscriptions, right? So it's a challenge.
2: All right. And now I'm going to now I'm going to go to sort of where Ron was going on some of this stuff. Uh, and, and that is to ask you about some of the current proposals that are before Congress and what's potentially going to happen. Um, uh, is it a good idea that we should lower the ten thousand dollars federal threshold down to six hundred dollars? Would that would that be a good idea for for us?
0: No, I mean, and look, I mean, I saw that the other day. Um, I'm not certain the benefit of it, right? In other words, what are, what, what what better decision making are we going to be able to have because of it? What what policies will be improved, and and what about the burdens associated with shifting uh, all of that, right, from ten thousand dollars to six hundred dollars? What what's the purpose? Is it just is it just to put people under a look? Oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble. A long time ago, if you were drinking and driving, it was 0.1, right? And they lowered it to 0.08. And they didn't lower it to 0.08, if I understand it right, because a drunk driver, knock on wood, I don't do that. But, but you know, a drunk driver, 0.1 versus 0.08 probably isn't materially different. The difference is that the conviction level of somebody 0.08's is easier than at 0.1. So I think that's I think that's the purpose. I think the purpose of going from ten thousand dollars to six hundred is so, so somebody can have a bigger hammer and and force their way into the lives that I don't think they should be able to get into.
2: Well I'm gonna take a page out of Charles Murray and say that if they do lower this to, to six hundred dollars, what we should do is all set up recurring transactions that happen every ten minutes to like I'll put six hundred dollars into your bank account and then Five seconds later, you send it back to me, and we just keep doing that all day long, creating like millions of transactions and all of this noise that would would not be no one they, they would not be able to trace anything because we just filter it all. It would be create so much noise that there would be no signal to for anyone to see. That's my that's my theory, Dan.
0: <laughs> uh, but but do five hundred and eighty nine dollars and eighty four cents right <laughs> to stay under the six hundred. I mean, you know, look it's 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 just it's just it's just Feel good nanny top world, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that if if, if people are going to cheat, they're going to cheat, right? And and you know, when you go into the bank today and you and you withdraw cash, they they look at you like, why do you need it? It's like bugger off, okay? Freedom begins the day you tell Mrs. Grundy to fly a kite, right? So so yeah, you know, when I. When I see my when I see my daughter every once in a while when she'd come home from college, you know, you slip her a C note, you know, make sure that you got taxi fare, right? Gee, if I if I gave her six of them, do I have to go report it now? Uh, no, not what I want to do.
2: All right, we only got one minute left, Dan, and this is a question not answerable in one minute, so you will have to stay over on our bonus episode and and talk about it there. So this is the tease for the, for those of you not on Patreon. Should we hire more IRS agents, Dan? Because, you know, for every dollar we invest in IRS agents, we're going to get, what, 3, 10, I don't know, 50 back.
0: Did you want me to answer that question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was representing Charles Redding, I'd say absolutely. The truth of the matter is they do better off by hiring, you know, in, in, investing in greater technology than probably more agents. Technology, AI, to AI will be a better auditor than people.
2: Yeah. Well, Dan, as always, fascinating conversation. We're happy to have you with us and thanks for appealing on the soul of enterprise. We're, we'll stay over and we'll talk a little bit more. Ron, what do we got coming up next week?
1: Next week, Ed, we have Marco Bertini, the co author of The Ends Game, which is going to be a fascinating discussion.
2: Well, look forward. I'll see you in 167 hours. Oh.
1: This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage transforming the way people think and work. So their organizations can thrive. Join us next week folks on Friday at, at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, feel free to check us out at the soul or we'll post full show notes and previews of upcoming shows. Also, you can contact Ed and me send us an email to ask TSOE at Thanks for listening folks. See you next week.